When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. A little bit later than I wanted to be, but we've been chasing some uh, some portal news, you know, trying to find out what's going on. It's a little more difficult than, say, college football recruiting is. You know, every prospect, once they get an offer on the college football recruiting side, they tweet the offer out. So, you know, it's almost like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, as long as you're following the right people or searching for the right terms – you can find the prospects. A little different scenario when it comes to college baseball recruiting. And so much of it is done privately. You know, it's just a different deal. College basketball, more like football. And college baseball portal recruiting is still so new. You know, just is. So we're working through some of that. Uh, it's one day chicken, the next day feathers, right? Some days you get some stuff and some days you don't. You know, some days you find out that uh, maybe perhaps what you learned yesterday is no longer valid. Maybe this person had an offer 10 days ago. Maybe they don't have it today. You know, there's a lot that, that, that kind of goes on. But uh, it's a new process for us, so we're we're kind of getting up to speed, kind of figuring out what's going on. You know, it's just kind of part of how life is. You know, the, the more you learn, the better off you are. So we're working through that. Some updates on jeanspage.com. And uh, are, are commitments imminent? You know, I don't know. You know, I, you'd hope so. You know, there's some guys, too, that are draft eligible that will wait and see what happens in a draft. And schools are smart to maybe not push those guys to commit. You know, LSU kind of making some headlines out there with some of their guys. And there's some name recognition with all of that. And that's not to say that LSU's not having a good portal season. But I, I'm not as big a fan, I guess, maybe perhaps of some of the things they've done. Um, you know, obviously you get Tommy Tanks and, you know, Third Hatcher today. You feel really good about that. And, of course, uh, T-Break, the uh, ace from Creighton, that, that's a big dude right there. But, you know, the Carter Young thing and Christian Little, I'm just not I'm not a huge fan of that. It's not one of those things I look at and say, oh, wow. And there are a lot of people like, oh, they took two from Vandy. Well, I think Vandy was happy for those guys to go because they struggled this year. I think I mentioned to you guys earlier in the week, you know, Carter Young hit a buck 80 in the SEC this year. A buck 80. I mean, if we had committed that guy to the portal, there'd be blood in the streets. People are like, what, what is Lamona's doing? 
And so I, I don't fault maybe LSU for taking a chance on a guy like that. And I don't know that their needs maybe are quite as emergent as ours. I just don't think we could afford to take a guy like that. I mean, he's like, Steve, you kidding me? We went and got this guy, led Vandy in strikeouts. His production was basically cut in half this year. You know, I don't think that's a good fit for us. I don't think it's a good fit for LSU. And a lot of people are like, oh, oh, good Lord, look at what's happening. You know, Christian Little last year had an ERA over five. I mean, is that better than what we have? I don't think that it is. Especially when you have guys that have competed and played in this league. It'd be one thing, okay, maybe perhaps if uh, they, they were in a different situation. But when you faced SEC hitting now for two years or SEC pitching for three years, and in your, in your most recent season, you weren't even among the top half of the leaders on your own team, why would we think, okay, well, just a change of scenery is going to make that better? I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. And so I am perfectly okay with us not taking Carter Young and Christian Little. The Mississippi State didn't even really pursue them. Uh, we did pick up a commitment yesterday. We're going to talk about him a little bit later in the show. Uh, but, again, it's exciting times. There's a lot of traffic over on the jeanspage.com baseball board, a lot of people talking about who's in, who's out, who, who they'd like to have. So if you are trying to get up to date on Mississippi State's portal activities, you know, we've got, you know, I'm doing my best to provide information. We've got some really good posters, too, that are somewhat connected, too, that are sharing some things. And so I would suggest to you right now that uh, probably the most well-educated posters and readers – when it comes to Mississippi State's portal activity, is over at jeanspage.com. Be sure and come check us out today. If you're not a member, you certainly should be. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I do. I love them more than a friend. It's a great relationship, man. I tell you, I was a fan of theirs long before they were a fan of mine. Go by and check them out. You'll be glad you did. So great to partner with a championship-caliber business like Bulldog Burger Company. And it's not just for Bulldogs. It's not. Everybody can go there and have a nice meal. So if you've got some friends perhaps that have a different college allegiance, that's okay. They can have a nice time. It's just the name of the building. It's not just something that, you know, they're not going to serve you just because you don't cheer for Mississippi State. They love everybody. They do. Great food at a great price with a great atmosphere and three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridgeland Flowwood area. Be sure and go check them out. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, since we were together, your esteemed host and friend has learned that Mississippi State and Coach Mike Leach have reached a contract extension. Shared that yesterday. We were the first to report that. Very proud to say that. Not that a lot of people mentioned that, but we were first to get that out there. Now, I understand the contract's been signed for you know, a few to several days. You know, it's not something that just broke yesterday, but we were able to make that, that public. And so these discussions actually have gone on now for several months. There was never any real concern, you know, about Mike Leach, uh, you know, not signing the contract extension. It was just kind of a matter of a formality. But the reality of it is you want to have your head football coach and I would suggest really all of your major sports coaches under contract uh, for three to four years. Traditionally, what happens is at the end of a season, you, know, you roll your coach over a year. And the state of Mississippi will only allow you to have a four-year deal. 
And so I think it's important to kind of understand this is just kind of how business is done. The reaction to this news was rather interesting. A lot of people are like, hey, I'm glad this is done. And people are like, well, why would we do this? Well, that's what I kind of want to explain today. So a lot of times you roll people over and it's based on just merit itself. You know, like, and, and here's the thing that I go back to. You know, we basically gave an extension and a raise to Dan Mullen every single year. I think with one exception, with one exception. And so that's just kind of what you do. Now, Dan Mullen and his agents, you know, kind of held us hostage at times. And that's just what, what Mike Leach has done. I mean, again, there was no trepidation or anxiety about this. It was a very, very clean process in many respects. You know, agents are always going to do their part to get the best deal for their clients. That's their job, right? I mean, that's the reality of life. But I read some of this, and it's like, oh, why would we do this? And let me just kind of break it down for you as best I can. It's like when you have a coach that is out recruiting – you want that coach to have that multi-year deal, three or four years. You want to already kind of have that. So when he's talking to a, a recruit and their families, he can say, hey, you know, I'm under contract for four years, uh, so I'm going to be there throughout your, your young man's uh, or young lady's college career. We're not going anywhere. There's stability and there's continuity with the program. That's an important part of it. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't get terminated before their contracts are over. And I don't, I'm not trying to suggest in any way Mississippi State's trying to get rid of Mike Leach, but – this is, in many respects, one of those things that you just do. It's just kind of how life works. But the bottom line is Mississippi State needed to get this done. This is a, a basically a contract negotiation that began shortly after the season ended. Nobody was in any rush. I mean, there wasn't any, uh, any trepidation. It wasn't like somebody was trying to swoop in and, and hire Mike Leach away. And I've read these people like, well, I hope we didn't raise the salary. Well, of course we did. Of course we did. You know, it's like when his contract first began, you know, it was a $5 million salary with the incremental uh, bumps in annual salary each and every year. So this is in line with that. But it needed to get done. And I think it's important that it gets done, not just from a recruiting standpoint too, but I mean like, you know, your assistant coaches kind of understand too. Like, let's say for an example, and I don't know all the terms of the original deal. I, have, I didn't go back and look at all that stuff. But the reality of it is, you know, Mike Leach got here in 2020. This is 2022. We're getting ready for year number three. You wouldn't wait until the last year of a contract to renegotiate. And really, there's not a coach out there that would be agreeable to that. And nor should they be. They've got to have some security within their job. Now, I'll share with you this, too. You know, Mike Leach's program took a step forward last year. I think sometimes people forget back in 2020, we had the youngest roster in the Power Five, if not the entire country, when it came to college football. Well, those guys are now juniors now. Now, and in many respects, I think you could kind of say this is really year number two you're under Mike Leach. I don't know if you can hold anybody really accountable for 2020. Derek Mason would probably disagree. You know, Derek Mason, of course, got fired. There were a lot of people that said nobody's going to be fired in 2020. A bunch of people were fired in 2020. But I don't know that 2020, good, bad, or indifferent, is truly indicative of anybody's coaching ability because of all the protocols we had to kind of contend with. You had all this contract tracing, and, you know, how many games did we go? You know, we postponed the game against Auburn just because of the fact that, you know, we didn't have enough scholarship offensive linemen to go facilitate a game. And you push it off. We ended up losing that game. You could have, could have easily won that game. You just couldn't finish the deal. We had a lot of quarterback problems that year, too. 
I mean, did anybody know that K.J. Costello was going to have the struggles he did? I mean, honestly. He was ranked as the number two transfer quarterback prospect in the country. He came in, he lit up LSU, and we're all thinking, well, here we go. This is the air raid. And then, of course, Barry Odom in Arkansas kind of put us in a drop eight situation, and K.J. couldn't read the defenses. And eventually, we elected to go with a freshman. We're starting a true freshman. And if you know my thing about Mike Leach, Mike always plays a veteran guy. Mike Leach is not big on playing the – the young and incumbent, you know, starter. And so Will Rogers kind of had to learn on, on the fly. He made some mistakes. He also made some plays. I mean, you know, we go out there and we beat Vanderbilt, and, and you know, that, that Vanderbilt team that year defensively was one of the better teams that we played. We give up a ton of yards on defense. And that was a year that we thought, you know, defensively we were pretty salty. And Vanderbilt kind of stuck it to us a little bit. We still found a way to win the game. Later in the year, we destroy Missouri. And we go win the bowl game. And everybody was like, hey, we're in good shape. Then last year, entering the season, like this time last year, people forget what the conversation was like. It's like, man, we're going to be lucky to get to 6-6 six and six with the schedule. we got to figure some things out. We're probably going to have to upset somebody. Getting to a bowl game was going to be a real challenge. Well, we did. We did make a bowl game. And there was a time, you know, remember, we were 7-4. We were and four. And had Ole Miss coming in, and to be blunt and honest about it, Ole Miss was a better football team than us. Ole Miss should have won that ball game, and they did. That's not to say we didn't have our opportunities. We certainly did. You know, we dropped three consecutive touchdown passes that could have made all the difference in the world in that first half. But Matt Corral took over there in the second half. Their offensive line play wasn't good, but he was athletic enough to go make some plays and move the chains. And they won the game, and they should have won the game. They should have. I don't think they should win it this year. But you never know what the teams are going to look like by the time we get to Thanksgiving. But the reality of it is we did take a step forward. And some would say, yeah, man, the bowl game was so bad we didn't even compete. I think sometimes people forget how many players that we were missing. Now, offensively, I was very disappointed. Thought we should have done a much better job. The Texas Tech uh, pass defense, very leaky. You know, Sonny Cumbie, of course, a uh, Mike Leach disciple. You know, maybe use some insider trading there to kind of give us some problems when we were on offense. But, you know, defensively, you know, we were trying to go out there and make things happen with uh, kind of a shoestring front seven, and it showed. And there are a lot of teams around the country that would have opted out of the bowl game. Mike Leach not one of those people, and I don't think John Cohen's one of them either. I know that I'm not. I'd rather go compete. And it's not about just getting the check. I, I want to go compete. I don't want to say, well, you know what, there's a chance we're probably going to lose the game, so we're not going to play. But Mississippi State had enough players out that we could have justifiably opted out of the game. Now, how disappointed would you have been if we had done that? What's more disappointing, playing and losing or not playing because we're scared to lose? I mean, that's been a talking point the last couple of years about how Ole Miss, you know, opted out of Texas A&M games. They didn't want to play them and lose, and they would have. So what would you be more ashamed of today? Losing the way we did, which was embarrassing, or not playing the game? I submit to you today that most of the people that are beating up Mike Leach and beating up Mississippi State football for losing that bowl game at Texas Tech would be even more upset today if we had opted out. We'd be labeled cowards, scared to go play. Well, we didn't. And so, to me, the lesser of the two evils is you go play the game and then, you know, how the, how the chips fall, they fall. 
I respect those young men for going out there and giving their best effort in the name of Mississippi State. Had some guys banged up, some guys out for injury, some guys out for contact tracing, some COVID testing. But we went and played the game. It didn't work out. We still took a step forward. Not as big a step maybe as some people wanted. But again, when you contrast where we ended compared to what we expected to have, we took a step forward. Let's take a quick look back. I mean, maybe you've forgotten the schedule. Maybe you have. I have not. But we're going to take a quick review of the Mississippi State season last year. Um, Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. And that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. 
If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And let's not forget the fact, too, I think some people forget this, that uh, Mississippi State quarterback Will Rogers, one of the most prolific passing seasons in the history of the Southeastern Conference, and the two guys that did more than him won the Heisman Trophy. Maybe you've forgotten. I, I don't understand a lot of the Will Rogers slander either, to be, to be quite honest with you. I think Will Rogers is an excellent quarterback, and I think, you know, I think he's only going to get better. All right, so let's take a quick look back. You remember, too, talking to Will Rogers, one of the worst passes he threw of the year was that pick six against Louisiana Tech, and when he did, I think we all saw our 2021 season flash before our eyes. We're thinking we are fixing to lose to Louisiana Tech. And, of course, some of the same people that said that are people that predicted Tech to beat us anyway. But we got down, and we put together, at the time, the greatest comeback in school history and won the game 35-34. And people are thinking, well, this is going to be it. It's going to be a real shaky deal here. And then we get NC State. NC State came to Starkville. NC State, of course, had had a big game the week before. They just obliterated uh, South Florida, 45 nothing. I mean, absolutely just blew them apart. And I think people have forgotten, NC State went 9-3 and last year. And one of those three losses came to Mississippi State there in week two. After we beat them, they won four in a row including beating Clemson. And then they beat that same Louisiana Tech team, 34-27. So it wasn't like Tech was just a bad team. The only other two teams to beat NC State last year was Miami, 31-30, and then Wake Forest, 45-42. So the biggest loss they took, the biggest margin of defeat the entire year was to your Mississippi State Bulldogs, 24-10. That was a great win. It kind of gets overshadowed because it's not an SEC win. So we, you know how it is. We're not so aware of what happens with a team after we play them unless they play in our conference. And then we had that controversial loss at Memphis, and you know we shouldn't have lost the game even with the bad call, but it did come down to that. You miss a field goal here. You drop a pass here. And, you know, we had that fumble return for a touchdown earlier. I mean, you give up two non-offensive scores, and you lose by two. You just protect the football, you win this game going away. And if I'm Mike Leach, if I can get 100 against Memphis this year, I'm getting 100. Then we lose to LSU 28-25, and I'll be honest with you, I think the score is maybe not indicative of how much better LSU played than us that day. We probably got the best version of LSU that anybody got all year because they were broken up after they played us. They won 28-25. I don't think it bowled down because, you know, we scored late to kind of make it look a little closer. I think LSU was clearly the winner that day. And people are like, hey, we missed a field goal here. And we did. We didn't play well in special teams. And, and Will had a, you know, a bad pick. We don't, we don't see a guy there. And, again, Will's a developing and maturing quarterback. A lot of people are ready to give up on this team. We're 2-2, two and two, which is where a lot of people expected us to be. I think people expected us to beat Tech and beat Memphis and lose to NC State and LSU. But that 4-4 four and four felt different because we lost two in a row. Because we beat NC State, and you're thinking, okay, we should be 3-0 and playing LSU, then we're not. And, again, we're chasing wins, so we feel like, hey, if we get those three right out of the gate, it sets up pretty well for us to extend the bowl streak. And then we had to go to College Station, Texas. And I was the only person in the media that picked Mississippi State to win. 
I think LSU was probably a better team at full strength than A&M was. And Will Rogers and the Mississippi State defense went down there and they won that game. And now all of a sudden we feel like, okay, we're on schedule. We got to the bye week with a 3-2 and two record. Most people expected us to be 2-3 and three at that point. We were 3-2 and two and a game ahead of schedule. We lose to Alabama as expected. Makes us 3-3. Three and three. And then we go to Vanderbilt and play perhaps our most complete game of the year. We dominate Vanderbilt, which is an SEC team kind of devoid of SEC talent. Now, all of a sudden, we're thinking, okay, we just got to find a way to win two. We just got to find a way to win two, and everybody ahead of us is probably going to be picked to to beat us except for Tennessee State. So we had to find a way to upset somebody. Well, then Kentucky comes in, and again, I do not understand the SEC media's love affair with Kentucky. Mississippi State won that game convincingly, 31-17. State was really, really, really the better team that night. So now all of a sudden you're thinking, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to bowl game. Now it's just a matter of how well we're going to play. How do we position ourselves in the bowl picture? So we go to Arkansas, feeling pretty good. We knew that, you know, Arkansas was capable of beating us, and special teams allows us to kind of beat ourselves. We lose 31-28. And, and we kind of we, – we talk about special teams play and missing a couple field goals here. You know, I, I think Will Rogers taking us down – and scoring what should have been the game-winning touchdown and then not getting the stop from the defense is the headline here, not the missed field goals. Is we had a chance to win this game on the field with our defense. Arkansas had to get a touchdown to win. We we're up four points, and then we allow them to score. To me, that's the bigger issue, not the field goals. Despite the field goal misses, Will Rogers and the offense put the ball in the end zone to give State a chance to win we're just under two minutes to play, and we couldn't get a stop. That's the bigger issue. But even then, we're thinking, you know what? Hey, we still got a ball game in our pocket. We're good. We're playing with house money. We go to Auburn, get absolutely destroyed in that first half. We come back and then set a new school record for greatest comeback. And the fact that we did it at Auburn in an SEC stadium and achieved ball eligibility, made it feel a whole lot better than the Louisiana Tech game. Because when we had the Tech game, we're thinking, guys, it's going to be a long season. We went at 43-34. We blistered Tennessee State, 55-10. Now we're 7-4. and four. If we could find a way to beat Ole Miss, we're in a Florida bowl game. And at this point, we're kind of feeling like, hey, we're playing with house money. We got to get the egg back. Got to get the egg back. Man, we could have an 8-4 and four regular season. We don't. They win the game as they should have. And then we lose the bowl game. And so I just kind of submit to you, when you look at the second half of the schedule last year, Mississippi State won four of six down the stretch. Four of six. And three of those wins against SEC opponents, two of them coming on the road. And so I just kind of offer to you, too, you know, people are like, well, you know, you know what, what progress have we made? I think we've made some significant progress. Maybe not as much as we had liked. I, I think if, as we sit here today, if we had won the egg and or won the bowl game, we're having a much different conversation today. I think then people are celebrating the Mike Leach extension, and not to mention that it's probably done a lot sooner than it is today. You know, you, you win that game against Ole Miss, you're not even playing the Liberty Bowl, you're playing somewhere in Florida. But you have an 8-4 and four regular season – yeah, chance to get the nine wins. And that's what happens, is people remember 
how you play in November. That's what the old ex- expression. They remember what you do in November. We went two and two in November. A historic win against Auburn, a blowout win against Tennessee State, and then uh, you know, Ole Miss just beat us. You know, again, they were the better team. I know maybe you don't want to hear that. Maybe you don't expect to hear that from me. But you know, Matt Corral, I thought was the difference in that ball game, especially late. As our defensive line begin to kind of way on their offensive line and kind of have their way a little bit. Matt Corral was athletic enough to get out and make things happen. And they won. It was a great year for Ole Miss, one of the best years in school history. They lost their ball game, but it's amazing, too, that you, you don't hear a lot of people kind of harping on that. They're just saying, you know what, hey, we had the 10 wins. And so we go from four wins to seven, but we kind of stumped, stubbed our toe there at the end. And that's what, that's what people remember. But I would submit, let, let's not forget the fact that your Bulldogs, your maturing Bulldogs, and there's always going to be some up and down with the young team. We forget that the majority of the team was sophomores last year, especially on offense. Uh, you know, Jaden Wally, Dylan Johnson, Woody Marks, Will Rogers, you know, those guys are still kind of developing players. You're going to have some, some herky-jerky with those guys. It's kind of how things is. But you go back and you look what we did offensively down the stretch, you know, 45 points against Vanderbilt, 31 against Kentucky. 28 against Arkansas, 43 against Auburn, 55 against Tennessee State, and 21 against Ole Miss, which is the lowest point total you have the second half of the season. And that's not a great Ole Miss defense, but they're a competitive bunch. I mean, let's be honest about it. You and Sam Williams kind of abused Scott Lashley much of the night. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was a great year, but it was a positive step forward. And so the thing that I go back to with all of this is – Let's look at the totality of the season. Let's look at what we did, how we did it, what we can kind of expect kind of moving forward. And I, I don't have any objection at all to giving uh, Mike Leach a contract extension. I don't think there's any question that he not only deserves that, but also, too, that, you know, when you make the stride that we did last year and you go four and four and you had a couple of, what, that top ten wins? Maybe three? I don't remember. But, uh, I mean, yeah, we've, we've knocked off some people. Mike Leach has had more rank wins than a lot of his predecessors here at Mississippi State. People forget we went down there and beat LSU to defend the NFL champions. They were a top-10 team. And I didn't think LSU dominated us by any stretch last year. You, you'd think they probably should, you know. But uh, I, I don't know that that's really the case. I think Mississippi State acquitted themselves pretty well. I, I do think they were better than us at the time because they were at full strength. They got beat up and lost a handful of guys in that ball game that were really never the same the rest of the year. But I think it's important to kind of understand while we went 7-4 and four last year, we could have easily won a couple more games. Could have lost a couple too. And that's kind of the Mike Leach experience, but that's kind of how football is, right? That's just kind of how football is. Let's take a quick look at some, uh, some numbers here. Okay, so Dak Prescott – Everybody's favorite. Holds the career record for passing at Mississippi State. 9,376 yards. Okay, if Will Rogers stays healthy this year, he is going to dwarf that. Will will likely surpass every passing record in school history. He said, but Steve, we're playing a different brand of football. Yeah, we are. Will Rogers right now is number two in Mississippi State history in two years really a year and a half, 6,715 yards. Pretty incredible when you think about it. 47 touchdowns, 16 picks. 
So when you look at uh, these numbers, uh, Wayne Madkin, 6,336 yards. He's third, 34 touchdowns. Will's already thrown 13 more than him. Wayne Madkin, too, you may have forgotten this, had more picks than touchdowns, 35 picks, 34 touchdowns. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald actually threw 55 touchdowns. And so when you look at the number of touchdown passes thrown, Will is actually third. So, you know, Will should probably take them all. The fourth guy on the list in touchdown passes in school history, Tyler Russell. Then we go back to Derek Tate, number five there. All right, so let's take a quick look at, uh, you know, interceptions. You'd think, okay, well, the way that we're throwing the football, you know, we're going to have a lot more picks. And that just kind of stands to reason, right? Well, just so you guys know, Will Rogers is way, way, way down on this list compared to uh, what you might expect. Maybe you see things differently than me. Will has thrown 16 interceptions. All right, and so that is good enough for 24th in school history. 24th. Because we can't have the argument, well, he's got all these yards and touchdowns because we throw it so much, and then completely ignore the fact that uh, he's protecting the football a lot better than maybe some of the guys ahead of him. How about that? Uh, your career leader in interceptions, and I love this guy to death, Kevin Fant, 43. John Bond, 37. Tommy Farr, 36. Wayne Mackin, 35. Don Smith, 34. Nick Fitzgerald, 30. Tony Shell, 29. Rocky Falker, 27. It's a different game back then. I get it. Matt Wyatt, 24. Don't want to get forget you, Matt. Dak Prescott had 23. So, I just say that I think sometimes we kind of underappreciate what's happening with Will Rogers. And so when I look at the totality of this and say, okay, Mike Leach is back. This is year three under Leach. It's year three for Will Rogers. And I told you guys post-spring, I thought Will looked a lot more confident and really kind of exhibiting a little more bass in his voice out there on the practice field. I think there was a demand from him before. I think before it's like, hey – Let's just kind of figure this thing out together. Now it's like, no, this is how it works. This is what I need you to do. So you're starting to see more leadership from him. So he has the physical acumen to do it. I know people are like, oh, well, Steve, you know, air raid, I think, okay, we're just going to line up in the uh, Hail Mary and just throw it, you know, throw it down the field over and over again. That's not the scheme. It's not. We take some shots down the field. We do. And it'll be interesting to see how many more we take this year. But I think part of that, too, is you got to get people to kind of commit. you got to get people to come up there and not play those two high safeties against you. But, um, again, I don't understand a lot of the angst about football. I do understand a little bit of, well, we ended on such a bad note, and it kind of diluted our positive feelings about Mississippi State football. So maybe you're somewhat indifferent about the season. Maybe you're kind of numb, and I kind of get that. I don't understand – Let's just be as negative as we can be, just so we can kind of lay the groundwork to come back and say, I told you so later. I mean, that's not being a good fan, is it? That's – anyway, uh, the reality of it is is uh, we're going to get ready to play football here in just over two months. I'm excited about it. I know you guys are as well. SEC Media Days will be here before you know it. Next thing you know, we'll be in fall camp, start having some practice reports for you guys. And next thing you know, we'll be in a week-to-week type deal. Looking forward to it. So, again, Mike Leach now extended out for four years. 
the contract, I guess, runs through what the end of the 2024 season or 2025. Um, so that's kind of where we are. And that's how things work. Let's give our uh, Prime Shrimp Player of the Game Award to Mike Leach. Uh, Mike Leach took a chance on Mississippi State. I know maybe the first two years haven't been exactly what we had wanted, but again, I think year one is, uh, I think you almost got to kind of give a guy a mulligan for that. And then you begin to think about, you know, last year, really kind of the first full year under Leach when things are, are somewhat normal circumstances. And are, we, are, we, are we where we want to be? No, we're not. I believe we're on the way there, though. And I think, again, you signed with a contract extension. I think Will Rogers going to have a big year this year, and I think Mike Leach will benefit from that as well. I think they are kind of two peas in a pod. I think Mike Leach trusts Will Rogers. I think Will Rogers understands what Mike Leach wants to do. So congratulations, Coach, on the contract extension. If you're looking to maybe extend your own contract or celebrate something else, visit PrimeShrimp.com. Our friends at PrimeShrimp.com, they'll take care of you. I love shrimp. It's difficult to get quality shrimp at times in North Mississippi. And then when you do get it, you got to kind of contend with it yourself. Even if you find some that's already been boiled, you got to peel it and you got to pull the tails off. And sometimes it hadn't been deveined. The folks at Prime Shrimp take care of all that for you. It shows up in this very well packaged box. It's very cool. So it can survive the Mississippi heat. Even if you're at, you're gone all day, you come back, it's still preserved. You're in good shape. And these nice little pouches fit conveniently in your freezer and don't take up a bunch of room there. And that, that's part of the deal, right? I mean, you think, hey, Steve, I don't need something else in my freezer. I got all this deer meat or I've got all this roast or whatever. These just kind of neatly stack on top. You'll be glad you have them. Four great flavors to choose from. I love Prime Shrimp. You will too. Be sure and go check them out. PrimeShrimp.com. Use promo code Boneyard to save 20 bucks off your first order. Again, that's PrimeShrimp.com. Promo code Boneyard. All right, time for today's top 10 list brought to you by your friend Blair Chandler. Blair is a mortgage professional. Maybe you have thought about, hey, I need to get a second mortgage. I need to consolidate some debt. Maybe I need to get some cash out. Maybe I need to buy a house for the first time in my life. Deal with a winner like Blair Chandler. Visit him on the World Wide Web at CloseWithBlair.com at C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Give him a call or text today. 601-500-2344. Blair is a guy that gets things done. Top 1% close ratio in the country two years running. He has seen it all and done it all. Whether... Maybe perhaps you are a non-conforming borrower. Maybe you've got an atypical property. He can devise a plan to help you get your loan to close. This is a guy that will be your advocate with underwriting. A lot of people just kind of put a 1003 residential housing application together and hope for the best, not Blair. And because Blair is so committed to your success, he's going to pay for your appraisal if you just tell him, hey, I heard about you on the boneyard. That gets you going. Boneyard. Text or call today and mention to Blair you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to take care of that fee for you. Again, that's closewithblair.com. Okay, so Roy came up with today's idea. Every so often I think, man, we've done just about everybody, and then I'll think, no, we haven't done this band. And I want to tell you guys, too, your response to the anthrax list was uh, surprisingly positive. Over 11,000 of you guys checked out the list. Our best of the 504, over 15,000. That may push into the top 10. Considering how long we've been doing this, 
That's an amazing accomplishment. I believe, if I'm, and Roy may correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the best of the 504 is the best rap top 10 we've ever had. A lot of times we do rap and you guys don't respond to it, but maybe it's because uh, Juvenile and Lil Wayne, those folks are on there. But the best of the 504 did exceptionally well. Today, we're going to do a great Southern rock band from Jacksonville, Florida, founded by the younger brother of legendary singer Ronnie Van Zandt. It is the second most talented Van Zandt brother, Donnie Van Zandt's band, 38 Special. Now, I expect this list to do really well. Those guys, a long, long list of hits and a great catalog of songs. Now, the back half of this list is kind of a dealer's choice kind of dependent on when you hear the song because these guys were around in the 70s they had some big hits in the 80s they kind of changed from a southern rock band to kind of a traditional rock radio band and then they had some really big commercial success and then back in the 90s they kind of had this rejuvenation had a huge hit with the ballad that made our list too all right so here we go top 10 38 special songs number 10 one from the latter part of the catalog, it's The Sound of Your Voice. Nice old love song, uh, not really a ballad per se, but one that, a uh, little bit up-tempo, but uh, very nice sentiment in the song. Number nine, a track written by Brian Adams and Jimmy Valance. It's the song Teacher, Teacher, from the motion picture soundtrack of the movie Teachers from 1984. Nice little radio hit there, and it sounds like a song from the motion picture soundtrack. All right, from the Strength in Numbers album, which was a, a really solid album start to finish, I went with Like No Other Night. Some other people may have some different favorites off that album. I think that's the better song, Like No Other Night, number eight on your list. Number seven, one of the last big hits for 38 Special is You Keep Running Away. Kind of self-explanatory there, right? You know, people have uh, feelings for each other, whatever, and uh, they think they've got a future, and one partner just won't commit. So there you go. You keep running away, number seven. Number six, another song kind of a lover's lament type song, but it is up-tempo. It is not some uh, slow and sappy type love song, but it's If I'd Been the One. You know, again, it's kind of like love lost here. If it had been me, this is what would have happened. Here's what I would have done. Here's how I would have behaved. All right, and so now we're to the top five. I think most people, unless there are some like, you know, really hardened 38 special fans. I think most people would agree the top five are the top five. We may disagree on the order, but I think we'd all agree these are the top five 38 special songs. Number five, Back Where You Belong. Great song, great chorus. Love the harmonies on this one. Good guitar, good straightforward, just a good rock and roll song. Back Where You Belong, number five. Number four, now, I've heard a lot of people cover this song. Nobody's ever done it nearly as good as 38 Special. But it's rocking into the night off the third album. And again, this is when they kind of abandoned their southern roots a little bit and kind of did more rock radio type stuff. They were really more of a commercial type rock band and not maybe limited so much to the Skinnerd and, and maybe the Mountain or even uh, Blackfoot type sound. A little more radio friendly in many respects. Not really that outlaw rock and roll type thing, but rocking into the night, a great track. I heard Warrant play this live one time. Pretty cool. All right, number three, a huge hit for 38 Special. 
And again, this is part of that renaissance of the 38 Special Band in the late 80s, early 90s. But it's second chance. You know, our heart needs a second chance. Great song, and uh, it seemed like everybody had this. Matter of fact, I had uh, broken up with a high school girlfriend, and I bought her this on a cassette single and gave it to her, and we got back together. I don't think it was just because of 38 Special, but it certainly didn't hurt matters. Anytime you spend a little money to kind of show that you're sorry and somewhat repentant, it helps. All right, now the top two. This could be a coin flip. It really could be. really could be. As I thought about this, I went back and forth on this. But number two is Caught Up in You. That's right. Caught Up in You, number two on your 38 special list, which means there could only be room for one. And it's got to be Hang On Loosely, but don't let it go. It is a great motivational song for life, very peppy and very upbeat. I think you'll dig it if you don't know it, but Hang On Loosely to me is the quintessential 38 special song. Uh, happy to do this list. Hope you guys enjoy it. Again, a great Southern rock band. Great, great, great Southern rock band that had some incredible commercial success. And there were so many people kind of involved with this band in, in its early early years, and they kind of stabled. So st- kind of showed some stability, I guess, in many respects, as the band kind of matured a little bit. So glad we could do this. Uh hope you guys again enjoy these top 10 lists so many of you have reached out and said hey we want to do this and we have a lot of ideas but sometimes you guys send an idea that we like better than others and so we'll go ahead and bump you up on the list reach out to roy at dogmatic67 d-a-w-g-m-a-t-i-c-6-7 on twitter and you can follow him on spotify too and uh, appreciate his efforts to bring these uh, great playlists to you guys to make it easy there's a lot of people that have said hey steve sometimes when i'm traveling I'm looking to listen to something different. You know, maybe I've, I'm caught up on my podcast or you know, they're playing the same things on the radio. And so I pop these uh, Spotify lists on that Roy puts together. It means an awful lot. And I love sharing the gift of music with all of you. So I, I expect this list to do really well. I'll be surprised if it doesn't. I don't know that it pushes into the top 10. I think we probably got a top 20 right here with 38 Special. Again, be sure and check it out. All right. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. You will, too. Very, very exciting place to go, and i have share with you guys, too. They are getting out of the textbook business. Going to be expanding the bully shops. Going to be upstairs and downstairs. Going to be the most extensive collection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known galaxy. How about that? Campus Bookmart, what you love about it, there's going to be even more to love in the, in the weeks to come. So when you get ready to come to town and kind of do your pregame shopping, Look no further than Campus Bookmark. Miss Kathy Brown is going to have you outfitted in the latest and greatest in Mississippi State merchandise. If you can't make it to town, let me invite you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. It's what we do here. We bring you quality information, entertainment, but also want to save you a little money with the things that are important to you. Again, it's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Okay, Mississippi State picked up a new baseball transfer commitment yesterday. We've got a good poster over on the jeanspage.com message boards uh, tag. I can't remember the rest of tag's name, but uh, tag is a guy that uh, has done a good job kind of being um, kind of entrenched, man. He keeps up with recruiting, really all aspects of recruiting. 
And he mentioned Amani Larry as a possibility here a few days ago. The next thing you know, we started digging into it. And, hey, well, this kid visited. And we've kind of got this policy. This sounds maybe a little bit – maybe you'll see me differently when I say this. But when it comes to these baseball transfers, I don't want to call and interview them until they've committed. Because here's what I know. I think it makes the job of our coaching staff more difficult. Because, you know, the LSU guys aren't calling these guys and interviewing them. And so when we interview them, I think it just kind of shines a light on them. And it's like telling everybody else, hey, go get them, go get them, go get them. And so we kind of monitor things and we work sources and we talk to people in and around the situation. Sometimes we have a connection. You know, you start talking, it's like, how do I know this guy? Oh, he went to this high school. I know this coach or I know this player. And they can kind of give you some insight and then kind of put you in contact. And so you get some information kind of, maybe two degrees removed, and it's not always the most reliable. But uh, Tag is a guy that just said, hey, I think this is going to happen. And so I want to give him the tip of the cap here on the show because he was the guy, that, the first guy that really brought this one to the conversation. Uh, but Amani Larry, this guy is a really good baseball player. I mean, th- there's no question about his skill and uh, has some connections to Mississippi. So he has family from down around Fayette, down in Jefferson County. He said he spent a lot of summer times and weekends and holidays and stuff going to see extended family down there. It's where his grandparents are. And so he prepped at Parkway High School there in Bossier City. Now, Parkway sounds familiar. Uh, C.J. Morgan, Mississippi State Safety, is a product of Parkway High School. And Parkway was also the arch rival of Dak Prescott's high school, Halton High School. Had a chance to see C.J. and Parkway play. Uh, at a jamboree up there a few years ago. They play a pretty good brand of football up there in Arklatex. And if you're unfamiliar with that neck of the woods, you know, it's right there, of course, where, you know, Shreveport proper is. And there's a lot of big schools. There's a lot of prospects in multiple sports. And Amani Larry was actually actually the quarterback at Parkway High School. Now, he wasn't big enough to play Division One football, but he comes from a very athletic family. His father, Jarvis Larry, a starter at the UL Lafayette baseball program in the early 2000s and went to Omaha. Posted a link yesterday. There's a, there's a home run that he hit against Stanford. It's out there on YouTube. And what's interesting, too, you look at our uh, Amani. He is, Amani is kind of of the same build, I guess you could say. It was his dad. No big surprise there. But uh, he was a three-team, first-team all-parish selection out of Parkway High School. Was an all-city and all-district selection. And 2018, a 5A All-State first-team guy. And they play a pretty good brand of baseball over Louisiana, in case you're unfamiliar. After he finished up his, his career at Parkway, he played at East Central Community College right here in Mississippi. A phenomenal career there. First-team all-conference and region. 518 on-base percentage in 2021. Scored 53 runs, 26 stolen bases, 43 RBI. And then signed on with the UNO Privateers. Had a really big season for the Privateers this year. Really big season. And then again, this guy's 5'11", 190, very athletic, multi-sport guy, won some big games, football and baseball. Let's take a look at what he did at UNO. So Amani Larry, and it's Amani, not Armani. Amani, A-M-A-N-I, Amani Larry. And uh, he is expected to play second base here at Mississippi State. He hit 370 last year in the Southland Conference. That's a pretty good baseball conference, too. Of course, Southeastern Louisiana wins the conference most years. But 370 this year, 
67 runs scored, started every game for them. 78 hits, which led the team. Uh, 13 doubles, which was second on the team. Two triples, that's a team lead there. Nine home runs, which also was tied for the uh, the team lead. And then uh, 56 ribbies. So he led UNO in just about every offensive category. 16 of 21 in stolen base attempts, in addition to that. And hit by the pitch 12 times. He only struck out 29 times in 211 at-bats. And uh, one of our resident experts over on uh, jeanspage.com did the math here. It's an 11% strikeout ratio. Now, let me kind of put that in context for you. Basically, if you do 22% or better in the eyes of pro baseball scouts, you're on the radar. He's 11%. Okay, so you have a guy that doesn't strike out much. You've got a guy that puts the ball in play. You've got a guy that's got some power. You've got a guy that's got some speed. It's going to be difficult to double up that guy. I think it's the guy that certainly hits in the top half of the order, probably lead off, maybe second. You know, you look at this skill set and you begin to wonder, you know, maybe he's a two-hole hitter because you could hit and run with this guy. This guy's going to put the ball in play. Uh, Only a couple sacrifice hits, so I'm sure he can bunt just a little bit there, but uh, they didn't bunt a whole lot, just 13 sacrifice hits. We don't bunt a lot either. You begin to kind of look at some other statistics here with this guy. It's just like everything just kind of jumps off the page and all of it kind of matches what you would want in a guy making the jump from the G5 to the Power 5. Now, you'd say, but Steve, what has he done against Power 5 hitting? Well, I'm so glad you asked. So they played Kansas early in the year. He had one game, he went two for four. He did go over in the other two games. He goes two for four in a ball game against LSU in a midweek game. Uh, Oklahoma had a really big weekend against Oklahoma, your national championship runner-up there. He's a three-for-seven game, two-for-five game, two-for-four game. And that's that's not a midweek affair. That's a three-game weekend set back in March. And he goes out there and pounds out seven hits. And you saw that Oklahoma pitching staff. Those guys can pitch it. Southern Miss, our friends from down the road there, two for five against them. They're not a power five team, but certainly a team that uh, has been very capable in recent years. Uh, Another LSU ball game, one for three in that game. Had a midweek game against Tulane, went two for four against them. Uh, And then Southeastern, of course, that's, uh, you know, later in the year, you know, they they play those guys in the Southland Conference Tournament. And uh, he had a good weekend. He did. Two for three in one game and then one for five in another. So, it's not a situation where he's just beat up bad pitching. This is a guy that has played against some NCAA tournament teams and had some real success. And you look at uh, you know his fielding numbers this year too, pretty outstanding there too. Really, really, really nice player here. You know, second base, you know, arm strength I guess is a little bit of a concern. He he couldn't play short for you, uh, but he is a guy that can certainly play the middle infield for you. Kind of look at numbers here too. I'm, I'm just counting as I look here. It's like it's three errors on the year, three errors on the year. That's a pretty good effort there. So excited about him. And so now everybody else wonders, okay, well, what's next, Steve? We get Colton Ledbetter. I got to be an outfielder, probably a left fielder for us. We'd like to be able to get a natural center fielder. Now, Ledbetter is playing some center field uh, in summer ball this year. He is capable of playing center. You'd like to have maybe a little more of a quick twitch guy. I mean, Ledbetter is going to be a left-handed corner outfielder uh, that's got some pop. So you'd like to find a guy with maybe a little more um, you know, gap-to-gap type speed defensively. So that's something we'll still look for, okay? And there are a few names out there. We're talking about them on Gene's page. But, 
again, the draft, excuse me, the draft, the transfer deadline still has a couple days to go. I guess it's going to be, what, uh, Friday? We have them to close the business Friday, and there are new names going in all the time. So that's not to say that Mississippi State is so locked in and so focused on what they're already chasing that they couldn't redirect if the right player came along. So I expect us to take another outfielder, probably a center fielder. I think we're done on the infield unless a difference maker just happens to come along because you feel good about Slate Offord defensively. You know, still working on a swing a little bit. Lane Forsyth, an elite defender, and had a much better offensive year last year. Still some room to grow there. And you've got Nate Chester, of course, coming in, a guy that can compete at both middle infield spots. Now you've added Amani Larry to it, and Hunter Hines is probably your first baseman with Luke Hancock catching, assuming that Luke comes back. I do expect Ross Highfield and some of those guys uh, coming up uh, to kind of compete there too. And Kellum Clark, of course, we expect him to take over in right field. Outside of that, you've got Nate Dome, that'll be an interesting piece out of the bullpen. Uh, Landon Gardman, is he a weekend starter? Is he a midweek starter? Is he a long reliever? I, I think that's a guy that's got some versatility, and you're just kind of happy to have him. A guy from Bogotá, Mississippi, that had always hoped one day to have the opportunity to play at Mississippi State. And so now you think about what you have. You have four transfers from the portal, and you add Nate Chester in, in addition to this top ten recruiting class you got covered in. Now you're starting to feel pretty good about it. But you need a little more. I would say right now we're a B+. Plus. We're a B-plus when it comes to the transfer portal hall so far. You know, Nate Dom is a guy that you know, maybe hasn't had the same level of success as the other three transfers are coming in. Of course, you get the best offensive player from UNO. You get the best offensive player from Sanford. You get the best pitcher from Memphis. And then you add in a guy that's a little bit of a developmental guy with a huge arm in Nate, Nate Dome. I think you feel good about what you have. you got to continue to add to it, and that means pitching. Of course, everybody knows we're chasing Paul Skeens, us and the rest of the country. You know, still in the mix there. We just don't know, you know what he's going to do. It's going to take him some time, go to Team USA, and it's probably may even be August before he makes a decision. State's very much in the mix there. Not ready to call it by any stretch because Skeens is a guy that really keeps it tight-lipped, as well he should. I mean, this is a big decision. This isn't, you know, just something to go willy-nilly about. This is a guy that's – really making a decision that could impact the tra- trajectory of his career. you got to pick the right school. You'd like to be able to get him. And if you can't, you still got to find another starter somewhere. You'd like to find another guy to come in and compete on the weekends. you probably got to go out and get a couple of more relievers. You'd like to find a guy that could be a left-handed matchup guy. You know, we really struggled to have that last year. You know, Cam Tuller at times could do it. Pico at times could do it. But, you know, I think Pico's a guy you expect to compete we either as a long reliever or perhaps a starter this year. We know what we're going to have with him. Cole Cheatham is a guy that we know is a left-handed arm out of the bullpen. But we need that one or two. We need that Zach Neff type. You know what I'm talking about? You guys remember 2019. And Zach Neff was kind of up and down in, in the regular season. But we don't beat Vanderbilt in Nashville that year in a super regional without Zach Neff. You need that guy that can come in there and just chew up left-handers. And I don't know that we had that last year. I think we all would agree we didn't have that. And so there's not a lot out there that we've seen in the portal. And because there's a limited number of those guys, they've got a lot of options. We just got to find a guy. So, again, another outfielder, and then I think the rest of it is arms. And I think the quality of the arms that are available will determine how many you take. Need to get a starter. Need to get probably in their bullpen arm. Got to get a closer. And then maybe a left-handed matchup guy. So I could see maybe five more transfers if the right ones are available. 
I could also see a situation where you take another outfielder and just go get two more pitchers. But I think you've got to, one of those guys got to be a closer. You got to get a closer, and I think you've got to get a starter. I think again, if I had to draw it up today, I say, you know you feel good about Cade Smith, right? I mean, I think we all do. Okay, our most reliable strike thrower last year on the weekends, and then you think about Garbman, a guy that's done it. He was the AAC Pitcher of the Year on a losing team. He had seven wins and a save on a, a team that won what twenty six games at Memphis, something like that. That's difficult to do. So you take their ace and you begin to think, okay, well, maybe he's a guy on the weekends because that's what eventually what he became as a weekend starter for them and became their most reliable starter. And so that's just kind of how I see it. And I think that's what you're going to see is arms, arms and arms as we kind of move forward with this. But uh, I know you guys are kind of keeping up with this. And here's the thing, too. The reason there is so much interest in this is not just because of the fact that uh, the portal is here even though that's a big part of it because of the fact that ordinarily your, your recruiting class would already be set. I mean, usually right now you're recruiting the next crop. You're not looking to add guys for this year. But also, too, you guys care so much about Mississippi State baseball. I mean, the fact that we finished dead last in the West and didn't go to Hoover, and I don't need to remind you of the disappointment the season was. But you care and you want to get back. And listen, let's be honest about this, too. It's got nothing to do with Ole Miss winning a national championship. Maybe to a small percentage of our fans, it's like, hey, well, Ole Miss won, so we got to get going. No, I think by and large, all of us believe, too, that it, it's, it's about us, and it's about the standards and expectations that we have for Mississippi State baseball. And so you care because you, you want to see this team win. You're interested because you are a shareholder in Mississippi State baseball. And so we're doing our best to provide it. And, again, we've got a great group of posters over there at jeanspage.com that uh, kind of help fill in some gaps for us. You know, there's sometimes two people share information and say, hey, how are you feeling about this? I've heard this. And sometimes, you know, you, I go run it down. We find that there's not much to it, you know. And so it's a community there. And we're all kind of working together. Of course, I can talk to the prospects, and so that makes it a little bit easier. But uh, just kind of cautious about how we go about that. Because, again, we don't want to do anything – uh, that you know, kind of stands in the way of our coaches doing a job, you know, because like all of a sudden, maybe there's a kid out there that uh, maybe Tennessee's not recruiting. All of a sudden, they find out, hey, Mississippi State is on this kid. Maybe we should be too. So a lot of recruiting with college baseball kind of happens uh, in the dark, I guess you could say, and that's not in any way to suggest that it's shady. I think it's just one of those deals where there's a lot more gentlemen's agreement when it comes to college baseball. Really, unlike football or basketball, and that's not in any way to be negative about those sports. It's just different. It's a different brand of recruiting. But I submit to you, with all of this activity in the portal and all this interest in the portal, that the days of media companies like ours really not covering college baseball recruiting, and I think we probably provide more college baseball information than anybody in the country, um, I think everybody is going to get involved in it. And if you look at the numbers, my goodness, like I wrote an article yesterday you know, just providing some tidbits on things that I've learned. And you got over 15,000 uh, reads. 15,000. You know, I write a, a college football recruiting piece sometimes, you know, it gets five, 6,000. You get 15,000. And so if people see this, you know, as a commodity, a chance for them to make some money and get some views, get clicks, there are even more people that are doing it. And you guys basically kind of, you know, guide the conversation. You know, when you guys are interested, hey, what's going on with this? Well, we have an obligation to kind of get to work and find out and get you guys some answers. And sometimes we can't. We do the best we can. But this, again, this is kind of a new venture for us in many respects. So we're learning as we go. But as we do it and people within our network see, hey, listen, Mississippi State folks are making a ton of money and getting a ton of subscriptions. 
with their college baseball coverage and their college baseball recruiting stuff. And so then all of a sudden that's going to begin to spread. So anybody that thinks they're going to continue to kind of recruit in the dark is kind of deceiving themselves a little bit too, you know. And so that's just kind of how it goes. I know a lot of people are like, I don't want college baseball recruiting to come what you know, college basketball or college football recruiting has become. I don't know that it ever will because the guys commit so much earlier. You know, that's the thing with football and basketball. You know, you chase those guys and you commit them, and they're usually seniors, and people see them as a player that can step in next year and really contribute. And so there's a lot more interest in that respect. That's why I think this portal thing has really exploded because people realize, hey, we've had all these guys committed since they were eighth and ninth graders. How, how, how good are they, really? You know, and you kind of have gotten used to it. But now all of a sudden you say, hey, well, I watched Paul Skeens pitch for Air Force. I'd love to have that guy wearing maroon and white. And so there's now more of an immediate, uh, I guess, interest in those guys in the portal because you know that they have the opportunity to help your ball team win uh, next year. So that's kind of where we are with that. It's, again, I'm really excited about Amani Larry. I like the pieces we have, but I'm not satisfied yet. And I think that's how you guys feel as well. It's like, hey, this is a good start. Coaches are doing a good job. Uh, I think I heard yesterday that everybody on the staff is somewhere. Nobody's in Starkville. Everybody's out chasing players. And that's what you want to hear, right? And that's the reality of it. The guys are out there working hard, and I believe we're on the right players. It's just a matter of kind of finishing this thing up here. So, uh, And I, I, I feel really good about where we stand uh, with several players based on kind of what I'm hearing. It's just a matter of you know, kind of seeing this thing through. You know? and, and, again, I think it's going to run into August just because of the fact, you know, the draft, you know, is going to be in three weeks. And it's going to take some, some time for guys to decide. And, you know, what happens at the deadline, all of a sudden the guy that gets, you know, drafted from Mississippi State decides, you know what, hey, I'm, I'm going to come back to school. Then, you know, your coaches have to be able to pivot. You know, they got to be able to figure that thing out. So, again, with a top ten recruiting class and, again, an improving portal class headed in with what we have returning back, I do feel you're pretty confident. I mean, I'm ready to get to fall baseball. Yeah, I'm ready to get this class to bed and then see what it looks like on the fall baseball field. I think that's pretty much how we all feel. I think we'll all feel a whole lot better when we start seeing those fall baseball reports and some of these newcomers have come in and are really beginning to contribute, kind of exert themselves. And I think the fact that you've got so many guys that have excelled at the Division One baseball level already. And that's the one thing, too, that's a bit of an advantage for baseball. You know, it's one division, and I'm a proponent of the two-division system because I think there are schools out there that really have no interest in fully funding baseball. So guys like Amani, Larry, have faced Power 5 pitching, even though they play in the Southland Conference. So it's not like they only see, you know, one talent level. They're seeing guys that have pitched in the NCAA tournament and then on into Omaha and then had some success against them. So I think that's one of the reasons you can have some confidence that a guy like Amani Larry and a guy like uh, Colton Ledbetter can show up at Mississippi State and kind of continue what they did at their previous schools because of the quality of competition they face in a non-conference. So there you go. So, again, maybe we'll have an update again on uh, on Friday. We'll kind of how I see things progress. But, uh, you know, listen, you never know when a commitment's coming. You never know. But, again, this is a very good get. I'm very excited about this. Very athletic guy. It's got a lot of tools and uh, I got two. He has two years of eligibility left. I'll be shocked if he's here the full two years. I think he'll come in for the one year. I think he'll prove his worth uh, to, to pro baseball scouts, and then he'll be gone. But you know what? The last two second basemen that we got out of the portal were exceptional players for us and did some amazing things. And I, I don't think that you're going to have any drop-off whatsoever uh, with Amani. Matter of fact, he might be a better athlete than the other two, to be quite honest with you. So 
There you go. Time for the final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. Uh, Brooks Bryant, that's a guy that knows baseball. That's a guy that knows baseball. Uh, love Brooks to death. He's my friend. He's your friend. He's a friend of Mississippi State. He's a friend of Starkville. Part of a great group of folks bringing a wonderful residential development to Starkville. Hey, you need somewhere to live? Come on up here and be with us. Right? Phase one's completely sold out. Portico, great place, man. Phase two under construction now. I got a couple of custom builds, and uh, there's a handful of houses that are being built that are unclaimed. So you're like, hey, Steve, I don't know if I want to start that process now. And that process has already begun. It's waiting on you to say yes. And then there are some other lots that are available for you to pick your lot or your house plans. You're like, you know what, Steve, we're not in any hurry. Maybe we're looking at like a year. Uh, then this is the, that's the move for you. Uh, Brooks is a guy, too, that um, understands the importance of Starkville, not just Mississippi State. I mean, you guys want to come up here, maybe have a place here, whether it be a secondary home, a future retirement home, it's your ballgame weekend retreat. So they've put their time and effort into this. It is a quality place. Go by and check it out yourself. Turn off of 82 on the 12. The very first right is Pat Station Road that takes you to Portico. You need more information, reach out to Brooks at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, so I spent some time yesterday talking to offensive line recruits, watching some offensive line film, just kind of familiarizing myself a little more with some of these guys that Mississippi State is kind of targeting. I want to share with you guys, too, I had a, a long conversation today with one of our national recruiting analysts, at 247 Sports. You know, I, I've, I've said I think our Mississippi rankings are a little bit all over the place. And a lot of that, too, is because we hadn't had a chance to really get out and see guys until this year. But there's going to be an update here in the next couple of weeks. You know, there'll be some adjustments to the rankings. And, and that's not to say that all of them are going to be favorable to Mississippi State. And at the end of the day, too, it's about getting it right. Right? That's one thing that's really important about all this. Is like, I love being able to be the guy that say, you know what, this guy was great and he has a great college career to be able to come back later and say see I told you so I mean I've got some petting in me too uh but you know I talk I said hey listen I saw this kid like you know Kendarius Jones is committed to uh, Florida State out of uh, Meridian I really like him and uh it kind of annoys me that we didn't know about him before you know what I mean again that's you know last fall I didn't spend as much time on the road going to high school games so I didn't see him you know we didn't have the summer and spring combines the last two years and so sometimes these guys are kind of hiding in plain sight well now that he's ranked you know he's pulled in the top 20 and people are like well hey wait a minute no guys I fully support that that guy can really play I don't care if he's going to Florida State or Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Louisiana Lafayette when you see that kid play you say you know what hey this kid is really really good and his catch radius is just freakish I mean I really like the kid uh so you're going to see some ebb and flow. There are some guys that were ranked really early on based on the strength of some self-reported offers as underclassmen. Well, now that we're maybe a year and a half into this, and now all of a sudden it kind of looks like that was a get-in-the-boat offer, and they haven't added anything since, and the schools that offered really aren't pursuing them very hard. And so we've got to make some adjustments there too. You know, I'm a firm believer in you, know, you don't trust the offer list, you trust the tape. You trust the tape because, it, okay, if a guy's got offers from Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and Clemson, his tape is going to be electric. I don't need to see the offer sheet, right? An SEC guy should jump off film. If I have to talk myself into this guy being an SEC guy, he's probably not. Now, I've seen some guys in the past that Mississippi State has offered, and I'll watch that film, and I think, what are we doing? 
You know, do we offer this guy? Then we ultimately don't take him. And so you're kind of relieved. I mean, you almost hate it for the kid. It's like, hey, you got to offer to play at State or Ole Miss. And then, you know, he ends up going to Memphis or UAB or something. And you're happy that they find a place to play. But there's a lot of people early on, you know, they get these offers based on kind of size and girth and length. And all of a sudden you get them in camp and you realize they're just too stiff. You know, they're just not athletic enough to play at this level. And so, you know, of course, you know, the Memphis paper is going to report that, you know, this kid picked Memphis over offers from Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and you know, that's just not true. You know, at some point somebody offered him, yes. Doesn't mean he was a committable offer. All right, let's talk some offensive line, guys. I spoke to Kobe Keenum yesterday, offensive line prospect out of Mars Hill Bible School over there in Florence, Alabama. Really like him. Uh, really like his look. You know, he looks like what you would expect an SEC interior lineman to look like. He's 6'4", 300. I think that means he probably stays inside for State. Maybe he even becomes a center someday. I think he's intelligent enough to handle that, you know, be able to make the checks and things like that. And it takes a special guy to be able to do that. But uh, I like him. Now, he has a top five. He did say that he could he could decide soon. He didn't say that he would decide soon. He goes, you know, I could decide next week. And I'm like, oh, so it's a summertime decision. He goes, well, I wouldn't go quite that far yet. I'm going to do it when I'm ready. But this is a guy that's uh, looking at Louisville, Kentucky, Mississippi State, North Carolina, and Ole Miss. And I know Mississippi State is on him pretty hard. He has some connections. I think I've shared with you guys before. He has a cousin that you may be familiar with, Brandon Walker. Yeah, that's right. He's got an Uncle Doug that signed to play baseball at State but opted to go play pro baseball. A lot of Mississippi State people around him. And so if there is any positive family influence, it's going to be of the Mississippi State variety. Now, Ole Miss is recruiting pretty hard, too. I don't get the sense right now they're really pushing him. And I don't mean this to be critical of Ole Miss, but I have learned that they're probably going to sign about half their class out of the transfer portal. And if you look at the number of offers extended in the state of Mississippi for Ole Miss this year, there just aren't very many. And that's not necessarily because of the fact that – they are not SEC-capable players in the state. I just think it's a different philosophy. I think Kiffin and those guys are like, hey, I don't want to have to um, you know, develop the guy. Let me get a guy that's already got a year or two under his belt in the college weight room. And you know, is that sustainable? I don't know. Don't know. But I do know that uh, they are not really offering a lot of guys in the state of Mississippi. According to our database, Ole Miss has offered just 12 Mississippians. And of those 12 Mississippians – over half of them have committed elsewhere. I guess right at half of them. And, of course, uh, Get Perkins out of Raleigh is, is their lone in-state commitment. But uh, Ole Miss has offered Dante Dowdell out of Picky, and it's committed to Oregon. I think that's going to stick, too. Uh, I, I'm, you know, based on what I've heard, I think he's pretty much locked in. Aiden Williams out of Reds, one, not a guy that's shown State a lot of love. If he stays in State, I would say it's probably Ole Miss. I was told early on LSU was a dream school for him. So we'll see how things go. He recently visited South Carolina. I wouldn't count Shane Beamer out either. You know, we learned that last year with Stone Blanton, right? Ole Miss also has offered uh, uh, both of these uh, offensive line prospects. And there are only two, I think, that are legitimate SEC guys. There's a couple guys I might be able to talk my way into if some other things went south. Ole Miss has offered Zay Alexander out of Tupelo. I believe State leads Ole Miss there. And, of course, Malik Ellis, it's a Mississippi State commitment. Ole Miss also offered Isaac Smith out of Itawamba. And a lot, early on, I, everybody was telling me, this guy's going to Ole Miss. Mississippi State doesn't have a chance. I interviewed Isaac Smith last weekend. He didn't even mention Ole Miss. Not even mention him. Gave me a list of four schools that are recruiting him hard. Ole Miss was not one of them. Um, so I don't know what's happened there. 
I don't know if Isaac Smith maybe tried to commit and they didn't want to take him. No clue. If they didn't want to take him, I would have to question their judgment a little bit. The guy is outstanding. I think he's an NFL player. John Slaughter, who recently committed to Tennessee, also has an Ole Miss offer out of South Haven. And then there's Ty Jones from Bay Springs is committed to Mississippi State. Alex Sanford from Oxford had an early offer from Ole Miss, but they have not really pushed him as much of late. He committed to Arkansas last weekend. Uh, Jamarius Brown out of Moss Point, another guy that holds an Ole Miss offer. He's a guy that had a lot of juice early, just picked up an offer from Texas too. So he's right there approaching 20 offers. Uh, Joseph Head from Holmes County uh, Central also has an Ole Miss offer. And then Jamarius Jenkins from Water Valley claimed an early offer from Ole Miss. I watched a tape. He doesn't look like a Power 5 guy to me. I don't even know if Ole Miss is still recruiting him. But I would venture to say he won't sign uh, with either State or Ole Miss this year. I'd be surprised if he does. I just – you know, again, I think he's a D1 player. I don't think he plays at the SEC level. So, you know, just a dozen offers there. And State has gotten maybe close to double in the in the state of Mississippi. I'm going to double-check that. We're not going to run them all down. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be 20, 21 offers in the state of Mississippi this year. Yeah, it's 21 offers to Mississippi prospects, Mississippi high schoolers from Mississippi State. And so, again, it's just a different philosophy. Not to say which one's right or which wrong at this point, because we're still just kind of all figuring it out. But um, Kobe Keenum is the guy we're talking about. I I think this is a guy, obviously he's from Alabama, but uh, I think Ole Miss is just going to really take their time on high school prospects, unless it's a no-doubter like, you know, Suntering Perkins. You know, obviously there's a handful of guys out there. They wanted Dante Daldell, and he opted to go to Oregon. But – I think state, in many respects, can really take the state this year. Southern Miss got several guys, too, not guys that had state or Ole Miss offers, but Southern Miss and Will Hall kind of getting back to their roots. That's the thing that Jeff Bauer did a great job of, is kind of taking those guys that had state and Ole Miss interest and then bringing them to Hattiesburg and cultivating a really, really fine program down there. I think Will Hall's going to win big at Southern Miss. I really do. All right, Joe Crocker talked to him yesterday, too. Uh, Joe Crocker down to three schools. Wisconsin, Michigan State, Mississippi State. I put in a crystal ball pick yesterday for Mississippi State. I think geography is a major factor with him, a major factor. He mentioned it a couple times in our interview, made a comment about, you know, in the summertime, how far are you away from home? Well, that's interesting. You know, now for me, approaching 50, it's not a big deal. I can get in the car and go wherever I want to. I'm a road warrior. You know, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old and you think, i got to spend two days getting home and I get to see my family for a day or two and that's two days back or i got to fly and it's a big imposition. And so that's a bigger deal to people leaving home for the first time. Joe is also a huge Tennessee Titans fan, lives there in Nashville, goes to Franklin Road Academy. Big Jeff Simmons fan too. That doesn't hurt matters, right? I just think Mason Miller and those guys have done a good job kind of detailing out the advantages of staying closer to home. What is it, four hours to Nashville? You know, his parents would be able to come to every game. No matter where he played in the SEC, he'd be able to get there. I mean, probably the biggest drive would be to College Station, Texas. So what are you taking? You're taking a flight once every other year to go watch that game. Everything else is in a reasonable driving distance. And so I think it's important. That's a factor, especially for a guy like Joe and, and, uh, Joe's a big music guy, too. I've enjoyed getting to know him and talking to him a little bit. I feel State's in a good position there. Now, Anthony Miles, also an Alabama guy, Ramsey Academy over there. Uh, this is a Mississippi State-Vanderbilt battle, and you could say, well, how could there be a battle? The family really stresses academics, and Vanderbilt's done a good job recruiting the kid. They had him up there last weekend. They've confused him a little bit. 
I think it was pretty evident he was headed to Mississippi State. Things may slow down a little bit. He's expected to be back on the campus here in about a month for the uh, top dog camp. Him and his family are coming in. But this is a little more of a battle this week than maybe it was two weeks ago. Vanderbilt did a good job on the OV, kind of making him feel like a priority. So I felt like State was far and away the leader. I think State's still the leader, but I don't think the gap is what it was before that visit. And that's to be expected. You always expect to get a bump out of that visit. Uh, but I think Anthony Miles is a guy, too, once he gets back on campus and gets around our guys, I think that's that's one of the things that will help. We talk about Zay Alexander all the time. Touch on him earlier. We're talking about the Ole Miss in-state offers. But, uh, you know, Zay is a guy that's you know, very close with Jacarius Clayton. Jacarius is a guy that picked him up, brought him to workouts. They're, they're very good friends. Zay is having uh, – excuse me, Jacarius having a great experience at Mississippi State getting to play on the defensive line, which is what he wanted. And I'll be honest with you guys, when I watched his tape out of high school, I said, this kid's an offensive lineman all the way. He's not going to be able to get leverage. And that still kind of remains to be seen. But watching him out there in spring practices, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I really was. I think this kid can play. Uh, and I, Before, I thought, you know what, he could probably play maybe D-line in a G5. I don't know if he's going to be quick twitch enough to play D-line into power five. But I, I think I'm wrong. I do. I think now that I've seen him in the pads after some time in the weight room, I think maybe he is quick twitch enough to play in the SEC on the defensive line. I felt for a long time that, you know what, they'll let him play D-line, and then after a year he'll go be, be offensive tackle. I think he could probably play offensive tackle for a long time. I still believe that. But I now believe that he is very much capable of playing on the defensive line. A year ago, I wouldn't have said that. And you know what, when there was talk about him going to Ole Miss and playing D-line, I thought, you know what, Maybe that's for the best because I don't think he's going to be able to play it here. And I'm happy to be wrong about that. And, again, the proof's still in the pudding. We'll see what happens, you know, once the, the season gets here. But I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if this guy's not pushing for, you know, spiling too deep uh, next year. Probably won't this year, you know, because there's so much depth there. But I think that he is a guy that will benefit from having the spring practices under his belt and have an opportunity to, to probably get into rotation. Maybe play some this year. Maybe you use the four games. I wouldn't waste a whole year on him unless I had to. I'd like to have that four years of eligibility remaining after this year. But um, I think that helps with Zay. We've talked about that before. You know, Zay's going to make his own decision. But he told me after top dog camp that he's really thinking more about staying in-state. That's not 100%, but he's thinking more about staying in-state. Well, that means state or Ole Miss. And I think, you know, culturally, I think that he's probably a better fit at Mississippi State. And there are some kids you meet, I mean, like, if I met Kobe Keenum just kind of out and about, uh, you know, I see him you know, in his polo shirt and that kind of stuff, you know, I could see that kid going on Miss. And that, that's not in any way to say there's something wrong with polo shirts. It's not my point. But you know, there are some guys you say, hey, they're Mississippi State guys, and there are some guys that are Ole Miss guys, and there are some people that can kind of go with whatever they need to. Um, I just think Zay fits better at Mississippi State. I think he fits what we want to do on the offensive line. I was very impressed with the fact that he's dropped about 30 pounds since last year. He looked a lot more mobile on his feet, uh, looks more like an athlete. And so when you start running this down and you start thinking, okay, you got Malik Ellis, and all of a sudden you pick up, you know, Kobe Keenum. Uh, Kobe Keenum and uh, Joe Crocker. And then maybe you get Miles and you get Zay. That's, that's a really good, a really good um, group. You start stacking all this, I think you're going to be really excited about that. And so I like what we're doing. I don't know when the next commitment on the offensive line comes. 
But if State gets even three of these four, because, you know, that's one thing I give Mason Miller some credit for. He always gets a guy late. He circles back and he gets a guy late. You know, last year, you know, you add Jackson and, um, you know, year before you get Cannon Boone. I mean, he's taken two in back-to-back years from Virginia Tech in the last month of the process. And so I don't ever give up on that guy. You know, that's the thing. We've had some offensive line coaches in the past. It's like they don't keep guys warm. And so when they circle back, you know, the kids kind of are a little bit uh, noncommittal because there hadn't been a relationship. But, you know, Cannon Boone said the whole time he was committed to Virginia Tech that Mason Miller stayed on him. And so whenever things got a little bit dicey up there in Blacksburg, he said, you know what, I think I'll go to Mississippi State. So if you could get these four to close out your five this summer, you would feel great about life. But even if we get three of these four, I think you feel great about offensive line recruiting. And then if you cycle back and add another one, and we have proven to be able to go get quality offensive linemen late, I think you feel pretty good about stacking about three good O-line classes together. And that's what you have to do in this league. You can't afford to have – you can have a good class. You can't afford to have a bad class. And really, when you're talking about offensive line, as much as we throw it, you can't even afford to have an average class. you got to go out there and get long and lean guys. You have to be able to do that. So uh, I think it's important – that uh, we kind of get some things taken care of. And, again, I think in the next 30 days, some of this is going to come into focus. I think you're going to see some commitments at or right after Top Dog Camp. I think that we'll spend some time in a dead period kind of prepping some of that, kind of getting everybody going. You know, I think that's a big part of things, you know, just kind of getting everybody ready to go and then not having recruiting hanging over their heads during the season. So, uh, Chris Parsons, a quarterback prospect. You know, he's at Elite 11 right now. He was going to make a big statement. Uh, Bud Elliott, one of our Florida State guys, also worked for 247 National, said that Parsons told him that he's still looking forward to being a Seminole. Uh, what I'm told is that he is going to continue to take visits, and Bud kind of confirmed that, too, that he is still open to taking visits. And I understand Chris is going to be back on the Mississippi State campus next month. Now, what that means kind of remains to be seen. But it is clear that Mike Leach is not going to go out there and throw a ton of offers out there to quarterbacks. He's going to pick and choose who he wants. And so far, we've, our quarterback recruiting has, been, has gone really well. Uh, even though K.J. didn't turn out to be the guy we had hoped, that was a big recruiting win for Mississippi State. And then, of course, you know, you sign Will Rogers, and the next thing you know, you got Sawyer Roberts and Daniel Grieg here, and you had Braden Locke last year. And then Braden Locke has recently been elevated to a four-star, even a year after, uh, all, even after he's enrolled. It's crazy. But um, excited, uh, not a year, I guess seven months or so. But you understand my point. Uh, Braden was committed to state about a year ago, and, and he just recently got elevated to a four-star. So uh, not sure why we're doing that, but uh, I, I think he probably deserved it last year. One of the most prolific quarterbacks in the history of the state of Texas. So that's your recruiting update today. We're going to kind of do more of that. And, again, once we get into next month, we're going to start previewing some of the SEC football teams and kind of getting excited about uh, – what each team has. And I think once we get through media days, I think we'll all kind of be working at a fever pitch. And I think this year, too, because we didn't have the elongated baseball season, many of us are getting more excited for football season. You know, this time last year, we were still playing baseball. And then all of a sudden, you know, we took a month to celebrate. And then fall camp got here. We almost felt guilty. You know, going into football season, it's like, man, I'm still so hung up on baseball. You know, this year it's a much different situation. We're ready to put baseball in the rearview mirror and kind of focus on football and then kind of look ahead to next baseball season. So I think Chris Monis and the staff, is, they'll, have, they'll do a good job for us for sure. Uh, but at this time too, I think, you know, this year they're able to focus more on recruiting. This time last year, 
Uh, you had people stopping by the baseball office all the time, trying to get autographs, get pictures and things like that. And that's right in the middle of the you know, camp season and peak recruiting for, for college baseball. And I think this year they've been really been able to kind of commit more themselves to riding the ship. And I've got a lot of confidence in them. I know many of you do as well. Uh, we have the right staff. We have guys that are going to understand what it takes to get this thing turned around. And I know uh, Jake Gotro is absolutely sick, not to say that other people aren't taking it hard too, but uh, conversations I've had with Jake, he's like, we're going to get this thing right. We're going to get this thing right. And I have absolutely the utmost confidence in this staff uh, to not only secure the, the, the players we need to turn it around, but to coach that out of them. So, all right, listen, if you had not done so, let me encourage you to go to dogpilethebook.com, order yourself a signed copy of Dogpile. While you're there, you can get signed copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs, and again, very limited quality quantities available on Villains and Alpha Dogs. Absolutely, no doubt about that. Uh, and then if you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, which I've had some requests for as of late, you can find it at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, booksandmegan.com. And you know what? Worst case scenario, if you don't know, just message me on social media. I'll send you a link. Had some people ask recently about Stark Villains gear. Every time I wear a Stark Villains shirt, which isn't as often as it used to be, people say, hey, I like your shirt. Where'd you get that? Very easy. Starkvillains.com. Starkvillains.com. You get t-shirts, hoodies in multiple colors and styles. You'll be glad you did. Again, at Starkvillains.com. Hey, we're going to get out of here. I'll be back with you guys on Friday. You never know what we're going to talk about. I mean, you never know. That's the thing this time of year. You just kind of we're always kind of bobbing and weaving. You know, things are on the football recruiting front a little bit slower right now because it's a dead period, so you're not having guys on campus. But uh, they're still in contact with those players, and so you could have somebody commit. I mean, once a guy makes up his mind, like, hey, this is it, then let's go. And so we look forward to that. We look forward to uh, being back with you guys on Friday. But until then, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.